Welcome to Inspired Surfers on Wavelength Community Radio in partnership with Jimmy's Iced Coffee. In this episode, Jim is in conversation with surfing world champion Melissa Reed. They're at the Wave in Bristol for the second day of the Blue Earth Summit, where both Melissa and Jim join the campfire stage as part of the amazing speaker lineup. The Blue Earth Summit is a brand new platform to help inspire positive change through a love of the outdoors. Go to blueearthsummit.com and follow the Blue Earth Summit Instagram page to see more of the action. We have, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is our whatever episode of Inspired Series, um, Inspired Surface Series with Wavelength Magazine. Uh, my name is Jim, and I'm here with Melissa Reed, um, who's a, who's another total hero in in the game. Charles Hall has just arrived. So, just to set the scene, everybody, we're at um, we're at the Wave uh, in Bristol, the uh, kind of artificial surfing lake, and. Um, we're here as part of the Blue Earth Summit. It's day two. They've held an event up in Bristol um, yesterday, and a whole bunch of people are swimming and surfing and doing podcasts and chatting and meeting and stuff today. So um, I'm here with Melissa Reed, who is a um, paratriathlon Olympic bronze medalist, which is um, very, very cool, and world champ, actually the only British world champ, um, um, para-surfer. Is that correct? Yes, I was the first British person to ever win a world title in surfing over able-bodied junior longboard and adaptive surfing. How cool is that? I mean, it was really fun because I wasn't even expecting to make a final. <laughs> <laughs> How, um, where, where, where was that uh, event? We're just going straight into it. Where was that event? Uh, that was in California, okay. um, a small beach called La Jolla. Mm-hmm. So the ISA are based around there, and then the Challenge Athlete Foundation, which were a really big charitable trust over in the States, mm-hmm. which support disabled athletes to just reach their potential. Okay. Um, so it was held there for quite a few years, yeah. um, and I was really lucky. I just rocked up at the English Champs in 2018, I think it was, okay. in Newquay. Okay. I had a back injury. I wasn't allowed to run or cycle. Okay. I was told I probably wouldn't run or cycle again. Yeah. Wow. Um, but I was allowed to swim, and my physio was like, yeah, you can surf, just take it easy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> take, take it easy to Melissa Reed. yeah. Uh, so I went over to Nuki, just entered, because I was like, well, at least I might find someone to go surfing with. <clears throat> yeah. And I got out of the water, and the team manager was like, do you want to come to California in a few months for the World Champs? <laughs> I just started laughing at him. I thought like, he was are joking. You joking. Are you talking to the right person here? Yeah. Um, and then we flew out. And then there was a women's division, there was a men's division. I got to compete in both. Okay. I came fifth in the men's and won the women's. That's amazing. And what was your, what was, can you remember what your, your winning wave was like? It was a left-hander and I hate left. So you go right? I prefer right. Okay. I quite like forehand. Yeah. I hate backhand. Yeah. Um, and it was just one of those, I paddled back out and Matt, who acts as my eyes, uh-huh. we were waiting for the scores and it just wasn't coming over the tannoy. Like, okay. we couldn't hear anything. Okay, onshore breeze, perhaps. And he was like, dude, you've just won. Everyone's running into the no! sea. <laughs> That's so cool. So we just paddled in, and yeah, yeah, it's just insane. What's that feeling like? Oh, it's just, like, you can't even describe it. You just, like, come out in goosebumps. And yeah. just, it's like, you're looking down on it, watching it, but you're like... Is that me? Yeah, yeah. That's it. And is that is that like a classic on the shoulders of coaches and people and yeah. spraying whatever drink you've got in your hand and putting the hats on and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, 
That's amazing. So just to try and give people a bit of background into your uh, visual impairment, you've, again, we're at the Wave here in Bristol, and you've just given me a pair of goggles, swimming goggles, um, which act, which basically give you an idea of how, what you see. So to give you guys an idea, I've, I've, I've been given a pair of goggles, I've, I've just popped them on, and essentially the, the left eye is completely the right eye is completely blind. Right, sorry, right eye is completely blind, blind, and the left eye has a, a square, probably the size of a. If, if you've seen a newborn baby, the size of a newborn baby's little fingernail, I think is probably about that right. Because <laughs> I've, I've got a little girl; she's a month old, and I saw her little fingernail when she popped out, and that basically looks about the same size. It's what would you compare it to? Do you, do you reckon? Uh, I mean, I've got no idea. I just say it's like tunnel vision. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you can pretty much only see straight. There's no peripheral there. Um, so this is this is what Melissa's um, deal is, and this is something that you've had since since birth, right? Yes. It gradually got worse up into my early teens, and then stabilised. Luckily. Okay. And how, yeah, how many? How do you deal with that? With obviously, you're recognising the fact that it's decreasing, but doctors are also saying that it's likely were they saying that you're likely to go completely blind uh originally they thought i'd go completely blind okay uh, the way that it was de- like rapidly decreasing uh just through bit like, as a child yeah uh they thought i'd be blind by the time i was in my teens okay um and i just got very very lucky that it stabilized it okay. stopped getting worse um and touch wood it's been the same for about 15 years okay that's amazing so if and if if that had happened, do you think you'd still be? I probably think you probably would be still surfing and still doing triathlon and still doing all the things that you're doing. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason why I wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, just you just have to figure out a way of doing something that everyone else does just slightly differently. Yeah, that's yeah. a really good way of putting it. Um, and I mean, some of the guys here are going to wear the goggles and have a go at surfing and playing on the skateboards and things, and it's just giving people a different perception. Yeah. Um, and one of the big things is just like you don't always have to see it like there are other sensors there are other things do you think with the five senses that we've got through smell and taste and touch and all these things um, that as your eyesight has um, kind of not well it hasn't faded away but do you think your other your other four senses have been heightened and they take they my hearing's really good okay everyone gets annoyed that you just can't whisper and <laughs> like oh, really? sneak into the house because they're just like yeah I, I, I know you're there and is that is that kind of like a proven thing can you actually have they kind of done a test to to see not see stuff to hear stuff that you can hear versus someone else uh no they haven't but there's a funny story in south africa <laughs> that i was getting really really angry at this high-pitched buzzing noise and it was just giving me a headache i was out there competing in triathlon and i was like Stop that noise! Yeah, and everyone was like, "What are you what, on about? Like, you're going insane!" Mm-hmm. And it turned out it was the shark radars. No way! <laughs> and you were picking that up. Yeah, yeah. It's just every time we walked past, I was like, "This is horrendous." That's because high-pitched noises are one of the most annoying things in the world, aren't they? They're, they're it's almost like a form of torture. Yeah. <laughs> and you were over there for try for triathlon. Okay, so can you? It's what amazes me about you is. I, I totally understand visual impairment and then getting into sport, but there are certain sports you could do that make it slightly easier on people for visual impairment. So let's, looking at the Olympics, maybe like um, shot put or, I don't know, some, something that doesn't require 
too much like balance or traveling at speed and yet you're you're doing <laughs> you're dropping into big waves um you are you're, you're running you're cycling you know cycling is pretty quick how what led you down that path instead of something a little bit more i'm going to give myself a little bit of a break i'm still going to do sport but not, but maybe not something so fast and intense uh my dad was adamant he was going to have a kid that ha- could ride a bike okay. it was like he was like i'm not having a kid that can't ride a bike yes dad he was like it's not happening so when i was six he was like you're gonna learn to ride that bike amazing um, and i did not great going down hills. Certainly had a few crashes. Yeah, yeah. Um, have crashed into a bus on a race. Okay, wow. Um, Obviously on s- not oncoming. No, well, it was parked up on a blind corner. Okay, well, that's, that could and probably I happen to anyone. didn't see it, and yeah. everyone else that saw it just, just missed it. Yeah. Um, and at that point, he was like, maybe you should start, you know, riding a tandem, <laughs> getting into parasport, maybe you should. <laughs> yeah, um, so with um, triathlon in parasport... You are, you're, you're, you're tandemed up on that? Yes, so we're tied together during the swim. Okay. We're on a tandem bike for the yeah. bike section and then we're tied together for the run. Yeah, okay, wow, amazing. And do you have, I guess the person that you've got with that is, is the same person for the run, the swim and the bike? Yeah, it has to yeah. be the same person, it has to be a female. Yeah, okay. And how do you go about forming a relationship or finding someone to be able to be that spotty? <laughs> I can imagine it either being a sister or a great friend or someone that's been recommended to you how does that so it has to be someone that's quite a bit faster than you because they've got to give you verbal communication so everything that you see and you process when you're swimming or running Mm -hmm. a bike makes no difference because i just sat there staring at their ass Mm -hmm. um so they've got to be really quite fast yeah um so they've usually just finished their elite level trial like triathlon in their own right okay. or they're a very high-end age grouper so they compete for the country in their age okay um but it's actually really really difficult to find a female fast enough and mm-hmm. willing to give up time yes to compete with you mm-hmm. um because in their own existence they're training every hour god's given them anyway aren't they yeah, let alone and going I mean, and doing i'm quite chilled out and they back like as long as i've done a couple of sessions with them on the bike and i know we're not going to stack it yeah. like Oh, good. Go do your training. I'll go do my training, and we'll okay. just rock up at a race. Yeah. And bearing in mind, people don't have much time. Do you get any time either side to kind of debrief and go and have coffee, or go for a walk to just to kind of cement the relationship further? Is that... So my guide at the moment for this year lives in Scotland. Handy. And you live in Cornwall. Perfect. Uh, so we're opposite ends of the country, um, <laughs> and we've been together. I think. Apart from going into Tokyo where we had a three-week camp, like a three-week stint out there, yeah. I think we probably saw each other for two, two and a half weeks okay. over the year and a half. Yeah. What's, um, it, what's it like in the, in the depths of a triathlon? I've, I've just finished reading a book by a guy called Rich Roll called um, Finding Ultra. And he's a, he, he was this guy who was like, put on a load of weight he got to the age of 40 and was just like nah this isn't this isn't happening i need to get into running so he started running and now he does triathlons and all this kind of stuff and he's he's fully into it what's it like in the in the in the really when you're really digging deep mentally in triathlon with a partner and how like encouraging each other to keep going and what what are those moments like (laughs) yeah i mean it's usually when you get to the run and you're like oh god like I'm dying yeah Um, again it depends who your partner is Mm -hmm. 
Uh, so the girl that I've had over the past year, we've just got really stupid phrases. Okay. <laughs> like just crappy Instagram things, you know, like okay. the reels that go viral. Yeah. Um, just a couple of those. Like there's just one, it was like double the bow, double the power, double the intimidation, <laughs> double the respect. <laughs> So do you and keep... so she was like singing that to me, okay. and it's just it takes your mind away from being in pain. Yeah, I guess if you can giggle while you're in pain, you're <laughs> in the sweet spot, right? And then a couple of years ago, I had a girl, and she would tell me exactly what was going on around me, but it wouldn't be the important stuff. She was like, "So that person in front of you is dying. They look like they're about to poop themselves." Mm. Like. You may feel bad, but they look worse, so let's go round them. <laughs> yeah. Let's and overtake those guys. It's just that type of thing. That, yeah. You know, things that you may process in your head that you see, yeah. but you don't verbally say. Yeah. Some people verbally say it to you, and you're like, yes, you're great, thank you. Amazing. What are the distances you're doing for triathlon? Just as a reminder for those out there that know what triathlon is, but don't know what the distances are. Uh, so we do a sprint distance, which is a 750-metre swim, yeah. 20K bike, and then a 5K run. Okay, wow. That's amazing. So it's you... about an hour, a little over. An hour to... Finish. It's just over an hour, it's about an hour and five minutes. You'll do a 750k swim, a 20k bike and a 5k run in an hour. Just over. Or like an hour and three? It's an hour, three, hour, five. Okay. Just to compute that, I've... I... Uh, um, that's mad. That's really good. That's so quick. Considering 5Ks are normally about, I don't know, 25 minutes. Well, for me anyway, or, yeah, 25 minutes, let alone a 20K bike and your transitions. Talk to me about transitions. Yeah, so transitions, I, if I use Tokyo, Tokyo was great. You didn't have to wear a wetsuit because it was baking. Yeah. Um, but if you do have to wear a wetsuit, you just take your wetsuit off, chuck it in a bucket and then put your bike shoes on, run out with your bike, well, helmet. Yeah. Bike shoes, run out, jump on the bike, and off you go. And, and then the same is you take your feet out of your pedal, yeah. out of your shoes, get off the bike, rack the bike, and put your running shoes on. Because your, sh- your shoes, you leave them clipped in, but they're not clipped in, obviously you don't... Yeah, you put your shoes on, then you clip into the bike. And then, and then, you, then you go. Just... I personally do that way. Yeah. Um, because... If you were to watch an able-bodied person, they would have their shoes on their bike and they run over the mount line and yeah. jump onto their bike. Yeah. You can't do that on a tandem. Yes. Otherwise, you're going to headbutt the person in front of you <laughs> yeah. or they're going <laughs> to kick you in the face as they swing their leg over. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I made the decision that we have to stop anyway Yeah. to get on the bike. Yeah. Just have the shoes on. It's so easy to clip your feet in. Yeah. Some people prefer to have their shoes on the bike and they'll get over and put their foot in yeah. to the shoe. Yeah. Um, I personally don't see the point, so we don't do it. Yeah. Um, but getting off the bike, we leave the shoes on, mm-hmm. and we can now do a flying dismount where we both take our leg over, and as the bike's rolling, we jump off in time and then run through. This is just so hectic, but so amazing at the same time. It must be this like, almost like synchronised... like. It's like synchronised swimming, but jumping off a bike. But jumping off a bike, which is, you know, it's, it's still got to be as delicate and as gracious because you get one clip, you know, you, you clip the back wheel or you can't get the leg over fast enough or one's gone over, the bike's going to tilt. 
I mean, you must have had all of these, you know, almost like crash courses of getting to know your partner and knowing the dismounts and all that. No, kind I mean, of stuff. like we literally fluked it. I said to her, I was like, right, okay, you've done this before. I've done this before. I was like, I was like, we're just free work. Swing my leg over. Yeah. So just swing your leg over, back, over, back. And yeah. she's like, have you done it yet? I was like, yep. She's like, I'm ready. She's like, oh, okay, then yeah, let's do it. So she's in charge. She's on the front. Uh, she's got to stabilise the bike. Yeah. Um, she's like, right, leg over, and I'll just say over, and then she'll say, ready, jump. And it's done. Yeah. Yeah. How was Tokyo? How did you guys get on? Um, it's a difficult one. Okay. Uh, so going into it, came, was going into it. Uh, a relapse of an injury. Okay. Which meant I couldn't run or cycle pretty this is much. The back injury? Yeah. And how did that happen? Originally, it was after a long run, I went to put some shoes on and my disc just popped out. Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, and then had a year out, pretty much, of not being able to compete, not being able to train. Managed to get back in time to get fit enough to qualify for Tokyo. Yeah. But unfortunately, it just had a relapse three weeks out. Okay. Um, so essentially when the disc gets inflamed it touches on the nerves and then as soon as I start cycling I can't feel my legs. How do, I, I can understand when people who are, who are really into a sport and they're not doing it professionally they, they get an injury and how frustrating it can be. How do you, there's going to be people listening out there who would love to know how you deal with that kind of just, you deal with a situation like that. Yeah, I mean I had two choices. I didn't compete mm-hmm. um, or spent five years training for Tokyo go out know that I'm not in peak performance mm-hmm. know the situation that I'm in yeah. know the risks of what competing could do yeah um, and that was entirely up to me may not have told people how severe the injury was yeah um, so that the decision was purely mine yes um and essentially, you don't know what's around the corner. Mm-hmm. Could be my last game, so like you don't know yeah. what's going to happen over the next three years. Yeah. Uh, so I made the decision that I was going to go out and compete. Wow. Um, we came seventh, which in triathlon at the moment, there's a big factoring system. So mm-hmm. if you're totally, totally blind, you get a three minute and 48 second head start. Okay. Which is a really long time when you're watching them swim and they're halfway around the swim course and you're mm-hmm. like, I've somehow catch you. Mm-hmm. Um, but they came one, two, three. Like no visually impaired person made the podium. Okay. So do you think that's do you think that's fair? Short answer, no. Okay. And I, I was going to ask, how do they come up with a figure that's three minutes and forty-eight seconds? In 2013, they split the categories up. Okay. Um, and the sport wasn't at such an elite level and I won over the next totally blind person by 3 minutes and 48 seconds and that's where they got the time from so you <laughs> you are the instigator for all of this and my argument was if you look at the people who were visually impaired as opposed to blind everyone who was visually impaired at that time was under 30 okay everyone who was blind were over 40 okay uh, the fitness levels, and if you were to somatotype them, yep. the visually impaired were quite fit, quite healthy, mm-hmm. and then the totally blind were not so healthy. Yeah. Um, 
to the point that some of them were still getting off the bike to walk around corners. Okay. Um, and they hadn't taken that into consideration okay. of actually looking at the big picture. Yeah. They just looked at two times. Okay. Um, but now the timings are so close. Mm. If you were to look at the overall time of swim yeah. bike run, that they've really got to look into changing the factoring. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever tried completely blocking up your left eye and doing... So when I first started, the rules were you had to wear blackouts Okay. Uh, for the run. Okay. For the swim and the bike, it was deemed unsafe to wear it if you had any vision. Yeah. Um, but for the run, you had to wear a blackout because that's where you've got the most leeway of doing what you want to do Okay. for the swim. There's really not much you can do. You're tied to someone and yeah. you're in the sea. Yeah. Like. yeah. How, 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 is, how much different is that? Um, it's trainable. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the vision that you have, you use. Mm -hmm. And it is a benefit to you because you're using it for everyday life. Mm -hmm. um, but it is a trainable thing to wear blackouts. Um, I mean, it's not the nicest thing, but, you know, mm -hmm. it's right. And when you wear a blackout thing, do you feel the, the three minute 48... I certainly wouldn't be almost four there. minutes slower. Okay, yeah. Well, that's, it's really interesting to know. So perhaps over the next few Olympic Games, they will. They do. You, do you see them reconsidering that? I think their time will change next year. Yeah, and what do you reckon it will change to? I pick Osan to like. I think they did the proper maths on it of what's physically possible, and it's around one minute and eighteen seconds. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it would be nice if it drops to something like that. Yeah. And. The way I'd explain it to someone that doesn't really know how long three minutes and 48 seconds is, yeah. if you were to do the race in reverse, that you do run, bike, swim, yeah. they'd get a 1K head start. Yeah, and that's around the corner and a long way away, isn't it? Like, that's quite a long... Yeah. That's also kind of... Uh, I mean, it can be either mentally challenging, like in a good way, or it can actually be a bit demoralising, thinking, I'm never going to catch that person up. So there's, there's not just the actual physical head start but then there's the mental head start of how am I going to catch that person and I know obviously people like yourself in that world they don't think like that but it's it nevertheless it's still another obstacle right yeah and I mean I think when you think things are fair <clears throat> you're like okay yeah this is doable but when it's slightly biased yeah it does make it slightly demoralizing yeah and deflating, and that can that doesn't give you the extra extra energy that you need to go and catch that yeah, person up. Yeah, right? like, it's that buzz that you get, that passion. Yeah, of, I'm going to get you. Yeah, but when like, they're that far ahead, it's like, oh, this isn't necessarily all that fair. <laughs> you just sat there and like, oh, God. Yeah. What's it? Have you got brothers and sisters? Uh, I've got a sister, yeah. Okay, and what's, what's she up to? Uh, she works in a school with okay. children which haven't had the best upbringing. Okay. Um, so most of their school like education is outdoors yeah um but she was a very good swimmer okay um but she's fully visual uh, she hasn't got any issues okay and with regards to your family and the support network that you get when you know you're going to the tokyo olympics if you know if my sister was going to the olympics i'd be like wow you're the greatest person i know in the world and is it is it what what's it like being the sis that's going to the olympics Oh, I don't think she really cares. <laughs> but that's that's probably that's probably the best bit, isn't it? Like, it's just normal. It's like, it's my normal. It's our normal. Yeah. 
Um, so for you, making iced coffee is your normal. Yeah. Like some outsiders, like that's seriously cool. Yeah. But because it's different to them. Yeah. But for me, going around the world competing. Yeah. Is just the norm. I would. I, I just have to state to state that making iced coffee is far easier than doing what you're doing. Um, so I'm not patting myself on the back, <laughs> but I can. You can definitely pat yourself on the back for what you're doing. <laughs> With the Olympics, talk to me about like the buzz around it and the kind of I don't know like all the gear that you wear and being part of the team and people only get to see it from the outside by watching telly what's it what's it really like like I'm going to use Rio as the example okay because I think that was a Paralympics yeah and it's going to be quite controversial to say I don't think Tokyo was a Paralympics okay um it's you know covid and everything just really impacted Mm -hmm. the atmosphere you weren't allowed to socialize we didn't go into the village okay uh you couldn't cheer on your competitors Mm -hmm. usually afterwards you get to have a little bit of a social with all the people you compete against around the world Mm -hmm. and you can't do that yeah um and usually you'd get to go and watch the other sports and the paralympics and the olympics is a big thing of bringing all the sports together yeah from all over the world to support each other mm-hmm. and then when that's not there I, it's just an event and, and that's the, all those components that you've just described are everything that you need in order to make it the buzz and what the Olympics and Paralympics is all about yeah right? and I would say that's for me personally what the Paralympics is about mm-hmm. other than that it's just a normal World Series race like yeah. you see your triathletes you go you race you go home Yeah. and essentially that's what it was yeah there is Rio mm-hmm. was insane. Mm-hmm. The hype, the buzz. You went into the holding camp, and we were very lucky. We were on Coco Cabana, okay, in the hotel because it varied from a thirty-minute drive to a three-hour drive okay. from the village. Yeah. Um, and then as soon as we'd finished racing, we went into the village, and you partied, you socialised with everyone, and afterwards you could go out for drinks. You were allowed out. You got to mingle with the community, mm-hmm. which, again, like the culture, the community, they've given up their city, they've given up their country for yeah. you to come and compete. Yeah. And to give something back to them yeah. and say thank you yeah. is what it's about. And we went into a school, we gave a talk, you know, all the little kids were really excited, they gave us their school badges. And for me, going away and like representing Great Britain, that is by far more important than just having a piece of metal around your neck yeah it sounds like that's that's the case and yeah it was one of these just that would you say that's probably your absolute is that where you got your bronze yes yeah so that's your absolute highlight of of your life oh i don't know like there's been a few good triathlon races yeah um but probably winning the surfing world champs is definitely up there would that that's a good question so is that the winning the world champs versus the bronze if you had to choose one of those to take home what would you in terms of an experience as opposed to the actual um as experience i'd probably say rio because it was a sprint finish for the bronze okay oh wow wow um with like i think it was 400 meters to go third place was 200 meters ahead and then crossing the line i got the bronze 
what's quite interesting with that is being visually impaired, they're telling you, you've, we've got to put the effort in now. Oh, yeah, like, like my dad was 400 metres back. He was like, you've fucked it. You've got no chance. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Um, <laughs> and the girl that was guiding me there, Nicole, she was like, they're going. She's going to deck it. Like, you sprint, sprint, sprint. And I was like, i got nothing. She but the was thing like, is, they're going to be listening to you. But it's so loud. Yeah. Like... I could just hear Nicole, and she is literally here. <gasps> and the stadium just erupted. That feeling must be... I mean, I'm getting, like, tingles from that kind of thing. Like, if, if she... Like, thinking about her screaming at you, and you can barely hear her for the eruption of what's going on in the stadium, you, you must sprint double the speed with that kind of, like... Energy. That's, uh, it, yeah, uh, just, I mean, it was a stopping and thinking about that must just be. It was certainly a sprint finish to remember because I remember stacking it on the line, <laughs> just passed out completely, just out of it. And it wasn't until we were walking through the media that, like, they were like, "Oh, how's it feel to win the bronze?" I was like, "What?" <laughs> and you d- you hadn't known until that point. No, like I was just sprinting oh, and then my gone goodness. and then, yeah. Like going through the media and I was like have we and it wasn't until we were on the podium that it like sunk in that yeah. we're like oh, okay yes did, like, did, did you lose it were you like in tears and on the floor or you I don't cry you don't cry no I, I would be um, I'd be in yeah I'd, I'd probably just be in a clump on the floor just shaking yeah that's that just describing that experience is is one of those that, that to hear it from you know, someone who's actually done it and been there. I mean, people talk about doing the marathon and you get cheered on and blah, 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 and people carry you all the way, but that moment when she's screaming and you can barely hear her, I, I just think that's like, what, what an amazing moment for you. And then obviously to win it as well, knowing that she's so far in front and you guys just pulled ahead and, and did it. That's, there's a really good YouTube video of it. <laughs> I'm going to be searching that as my next search. That's really cool. Well done, you. Luckily, we're still friends. <laughs> Did that take a while to rekindle? Like, I was, like, quite... I'm quite close with quite a few people on the circuit. Yeah. And I really thought that she'd be a little bit flustered. Yeah. A little bit angry. Yeah. And the next race that I did was in Japan. Okay. So that was 2016 in September, and then the next race was May 2017. And we were racing, and she was cheering me on. Oh, wow. And I was just like... Uh, that's sportsmanship. Yeah. Um, so I crossed the line and waited for her to cross the line and just gave her a hug. I was like, thank you so much. Yeah. Like, that's, th- a, that's a big deal, right? Um, but I just think it really shows sportsmanship in sport. Yeah. It's not all about winning. It is about helping each other yeah. to perform. The best they possibly Yeah. Yeah. Can we rewind back into kind of childhood and how, how was it? growing up with a visual impairment <laughs> didn't tell anyone <laughs> that sounds so like you already just my dad was very adamant that he wanted me to have a normal life mm-hmm. he didn't want me wrapped up in bubble wrap yeah um, and he didn't want people to treat me differently and I'm 30 now so you're going back 20 years where disability wasn't in the forefront people weren't as accepting yeah or as open mm-hmm so I had surf lessons and just didn't tell them I couldn't see. Okay. Um, he got me skateboards, he got me scooters, he got me motorbikes. He was like, if you want it, we'll do it. 
Your dad seems like a, a real kind of rock for you. Is yeah. that that's I mean how how nice to be able to have that relationship and your dad's just not going to be like patting you and being sympathetic all the time. He's it's the like least sympathetic person yeah. in the world. <laughs> well, it sounds like at, like the, at the games when he's just yelling at you. Just laughs if you stack it. Yeah. Um, but no, he was just. I think I was just very lucky with my upbringing and having someone that I say didn't care. Mm. But the fact that I've got a visual impairment, he was like, and? Keep going, yeah. What's your point? Yeah. Like, so it was never really an issue. Yeah. School was a challenge. Mm-hmm. Again, one, when I was giving the talk yesterday, it was ask questions, don't make assumptions. Mm-hmm. Don't make an assumption. I want to hold your arm to walk through the streaks. I don't want to touch you. Yeah, thank you very much. Like, um, and I was always, they were like, you need to sit at the front. I was like, well, I don't want to sit at the front. Mm. I want to sit with my friends, like everyone else. Yeah. You can't see the board. No, I can't see the board, but they're writing it down for me. Mm-hmm. No, you need to sit at the front so you can see the board. I was like, I still can't see the board at the front? Mm-hmm. Like, so I was a little shit at school. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't let me do what I wanted to do, so mm-hmm. I didn't do what I was told. Do you think now, 20 years on, so you're talking about the you know 20 years ago with the the, the viewpoint on visual impairment and disabilities and stuff do you reckon schools nowadays are much more accommodating to that kind of would they, would they be saying the same thing to you now i think they would and yeah. i think that's the issue and i think it's changing people's mindsets yeah to being more open yeah and again it's asking what can i do to help you yes not this is what you're gonna have yeah i think i know how you can see so this is where i think you need to be up at the front of the class yeah instead of as you say asking yeah yeah um, and just I, after Rio, I went into a couple of schools and did talks. And I had a young girl going, I really want to ride a bike. But my mum won't let me. <gasps> and I went, why not? And she went, because I can't see very well. And the doctor said I won't be allowed to ride a bike. Stayed behind and waited for her mum to pick her up. And I said, why isn't she allowed to ride a bike? Because she'll fall off. I was like, did you fall off? She's like, yeah, I did. I said, so what's the issue? Exactly. And she was like, oh. And I was like, well, she wants to ride a bike so she can join in with everyone else. And I got a message from them through Twitter like three weeks later again, she can ride a bike. And it's just changing people's mindsets of going, yes, she might fall off. Yes, they might hurt themselves. But who else falls off a bike and hurts themselves? That's, even if that's the one thing that you've done in your entire life, aside from Olympic medals and world champion surfing, getting someone on the other side of the planet to fulfil a dream by simply having a conversation with their parents to ride a bike is huge. These are, these are really, really big things that you're doing, and it's amazing. Yeah, well, I think it's just getting rid of that stereotype. Yeah. I mean, not everyone that's visually impaired walks around with a stick and a guide dog. Yeah. I mean, I walk around, and most of the time people don't know. Well, I mean, your, your dad is, is kind of testament for that, of just like, yeah, and... You're visually impaired and? Yes. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. should we just carry on? What's the problem here? <laughs> you say that. The only time he's really gone, oh shit, is when I threw a tantrum because my sister was allowed to drive and I wasn't. Okay. And she was six years younger than me. Yeah. And so when she got her driving lesson, I was like, this is bullshit. Do you, can you, are you able to drive? I'm not allowed to drive. Okay. And does that, does that 
piss you off on the daily or it it pisses me off because it gets rid of the independence and then public transport sucks yeah. so he was like fine get in the car he was like we'll walk around i'll walk around the car we'll do the blind spot test all of this all of that as if you were gonna have your first driving lesson okay and then he walked all the way around the car he was like you're supposed to tell me when you see me yeah i was like yeah i will and he just went fuck you can't see yeah and that was when I was like 24. Okay. And he was like, okay. oh, you, you really like can't see very well. Mm. I was like, <laughs> I was like, no. He's like, should you be cycling to college and uni? I was like, you're the one that's made me cycle there for the past <laughs> however many years. He's like, did you not know any of this, Dad? That's and amazing. Like, it wasn't until he'd had like something really shoved in his face. Yeah. And he's like, right, get out. I was like, no, you said I can drive. <laughs> I'm not moving. My seatbelt's on. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. So did you, did you have a little drive? I did have a little drive. In a field or actually on residential? Um, there's a load of fields where we live and it's got a road around the edge, okay. which is like an old RAF base. Was that exciting? Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Um, and I'm hoping this winter to do... You're going to go into rally championships or something, aren't you? You literally, like, not even joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a... In Finland, they do rallying on the ice. No. And I have asked if I can go in the car and drive. Okay. I need to... How do we follow you online? Are you on... Just Instagram, okay. usually. Right, um, right. But, I, yeah, my partner, I was like, you can be my co-pilot. And he just went, not a chance. He was on, like, on ice, what are you going to skid into? More ice? It's okay. Snow. Yeah, and, fine. Um, and he was like, not a chance. <laughs> and the guys were like, oh no, it's all four of us in the car and we just rotate. Oh, wow. And I was like, sweet. Yeah, that's cool. And he was just like, he was like, you know she can't see, don't you? He was like, yeah, but we've got a tow truck. <laughs> <laughs> that will, I'm, I'm going to keep my eye out for that because that will be what I'm, I'm, yet another amazing experience that will be. Yeah, I mean, I just want to do as many things as I can. Yeah. Just, like, get as many experiences. I was always told, you only regret the things you don't do in life. True. And, like... Do you think you'd be this hungry if you could see absolutely fine? No, because I think it's easy then. Yeah. Yeah. All of, all of us people that we, who can see, we're all just basically lazy... The majority of us are just lazy slobs. I and think when you've got a challenge... Yeah. There's a little bit more fire. Yeah. Um, you get more of a drive. Yeah. And for me personally, I really like proving people wrong. So if someone says Especially you can't... Especially when they say you can't do it. If they say you can't do that, I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. You've just given me the nugget that I've needed to go and just absolutely smash this. Yeah. So when I was a kid, I used to like going to the skate park. found dropping in really, really hard. I Yeah. I still don't drop in. Um, and growing up, I didn't realise I had no depth perception. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how big a drop is. Mm-hmm. And I just face plant. My face was really good at hitting the floor. <laughs> and a kid just came up to me and he went, girls can't skate. And he was like, girls can't drop in. And I was like, oh, okay. Hello. Yeah. Watch this. Yeah. <laughs> and then I did. I was like, all right. Dropping in on waves. Talk to me about, I mean, sight is obviously the most important thing for surfing. You have... What's, what's the percentage of sight that you have? 5%, I think. So you have 5%. You're dropping into fairly large waves. How does that work? It's an interesting one. So 
I don't know how big the waves are. That's handy, yeah. Um, a friend of mine who's another adapter herself, a peg leg, took me out at St Agnes mm-hmm. um, this winter. And we were just stood on top of the cliff, and it looked nice. Mm-hmm. I got no idea how big it was. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, it looks, look, looks all right. How big is it? Because your vision goes, is it six, you see like clearly up to six metres for that part. That, yeah, yeah, so when I say like clear, like we're sat here, I know that jumper's blue. Yeah. Wouldn't be able to tell you what's on it. Yeah. Just know it's blue. Okay, fine. Um, and so we'd gone out, and I was stacking it like... I was dropping down on my face into the water and I yeah. just said to him, I was like, I don't know why I'm not making it. Mm-hmm. He was like, you just need to put a bit of bone pressure down, just fully commit. Listen to him, I respect him as a coach. Mm-hmm. And we got out and the photographer was just pissing herself, laughing, going, what did he tell you to get you out? I was like, oh, he told me it was a couple of foot, why? And she just laughed and just went, I'll just wait till you get home and see Facebook. And the pictures were up and I sent him a picture going, were we out when it was like this? <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at my phone and my sister sent me a message going, dude, I don't think you should go in the sea. It's an eight to ten foot forecast. You're oh, going to wow. die. And you've already been in. <laughs> and I'd been in and gone yeah. home and she's like, did you get my message? I was like, just. How do you, what about with duck diving and stuff? So walls of white water between two foot and eight foot are obviously much. Luckily, this is where being blind doesn't help because we went out in a rip. Oh, okay. Just didn't even need to duck dive once. Oh, that's so <laughs> handy. Yeah, and then because you're doing that, you're really not going to know how big it is because there's no massive walls of white water, yeah. which are an indication of something being massive. It is, and duck diving is the thing I probably find the hardest. Okay. Because you're using speed and distance to know when to go under the wave. Yes. I guess that's when your spotter is kind of... That's the very crucial time for them, right? But I only get a spotter in competition. Oh, and only in competition. So usually I just free surf on my own. And you're just, you're just hearing the sound getting closer and closer. I can see the white, but I don't know how far away it is. Yeah. So quite a lot of the time, my timing for duck diving is horrendous. Yeah, because it, ha- it has to be... I mean, even I still don't get it right. And you kind of... You, you either go too early or too late. And getting it spot on is, is hard enough as it is. So, yeah. And with, with your boards, are you riding... Can you ride any size board? Yeah, I'm hoping the wave's going to give me a board today to play on, to be honest. Yeah, okay. Like 5'9", 5'9", 5'10", usually. Amazing. I thought I would have thought maybe you might need a slightly bigger board for balance and stuff, but that clearly isn't an issue for you it's either. It's a fine line, and I'd prefer to have something a little bit shorter so that I don't run anyone over. Okay. <laughs> Look at you already caring for other people Just when actually, yeah... <laughs> Just honestly, like, you've got a seven-foot board. That's another two foot which you've got to contend with and yeah. someone else's head. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it happens to everyone all the time. People are getting, uh, like, fins in the legs and all these kind of things. I mean, I'm not saying enough. I've, I've certainly run quite a few people over. <laughs> sorry, excuse me. <laughs> sorry, out of my way. <laughs> Just, like, you go, oh, sorry, I didn't see you. Yeah. And yeah. they're like, oh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, dude, seriously, like, I can't see you. Mm-hmm. I, I genuinely can't. I'm very, very sorry. Do you think surfing has been has helped you with your kind of outlook on life? I said this a few times, and I think surfing's a really unique sport. That mm. once you get into the ocean, all things which are supposedly different vanish. Yeah. So you go out there, you're not disabled anymore. Mm. If you go out there and you're black, you're not black. You, everyone is just a surfer. Yeah. And everyone's just out there because they love being in the water. It's a new level playing field, right? It is. And also saying how many sports in the world 
do you get to surf with the best in the world and have a complete beginner mm. in the exact same spot yeah at the same time mm. like you go down to your local beach like you get skin dog and then you've got lessons going on yeah like what other sport gives you that opportunity to yeah. see someone at the top level mm. while you're learning yeah and you're not essentially having to pay to do it or there, to go and see it there, there there really isn't and there's also the added point of you do spend quite a lot of time just straddled your board and you can sit and chat to people in between sets it's not like with windsurfing or other kind of or water sports for example particularly with wind assisted stuff you're just belting it around all day which is great because it's really good exercise and you can get to do it all in one go but surfing you do get those little moments to be able to have a chat with someone it's the most social sport out there i think yeah because you're not out of breath either yeah well i mean i'm out of breath quite a lot but in general that's it's it's that's really true it's a really really good thing yeah amazing i i can't thank you enough for taking the time out to chat to us today it's, it's so great to hear like all of the stuff and achievements that you've got one last thing what what's kind of next for melissa reed um so we've got the world championships in triathlon next beginning of next month where are they being abu dhabi oh cool um and what time of year are we on okay weather's going to be nice hot you mean well, I grew up in Dubai, and October, November time. It'll be November, right? When you yeah, go? 5th of November, I'll 5th be racing. November. Yeah, so it'll be, it'll be warm, but it won't be like... The humidity will have gone, and there'll be a little crisp, little coolness in the air. That'll be lovely weather. Yeah. Um, and then I think it's the 5th to the 11th is the Surfing World Champs okay. out in California. Okay. Where I intend on going for the third world title. I mean, why not? You've done it twice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then going into next year will be the Commonwealth Games and in the process of just setting up a bit of a company okay. called Out of Sight Okay. Um, to really focus on all of those disabilities which aren't visual. Okay. So visually impaired, if you've got autism, just things that people don't see okay. and getting them out, doing, giving them the opportunity to do everything that they want to do. Okay. Amazing. When? How do we find out more about that? Have you got it? Is is that the it's website? It's still in the process of being made. So hopefully, okay. in the next couple of months, it will start to be up and running. Okay. Well, when when we hear about it, we can let people know via our stuff, and I'm sure Wavelength will do the same. Um, good luck with that. Good luck with Abu Dhabi. Good luck with the World Champs in California, and all of the things that are going on from there. You're a really, really cool, inspirational person. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, Melissa Reed.